RP3 is ready to step his game up and pick up the mic for this edition of the Rap Game Podcast. Here is Raymond Parts III, a.k.a. RP3. The Black Mamba has passed away. One of the greatest to ever play the game of basketball. Definitely on the Mount Rushmore of Los Angeles Lakers, legends, and a generational talent. Passed away tragically on Sunday in a helicopter crash that not only claimed the 41-year-old's life, but also that of his daughter, a junior college baseball coach and his family, and several others. A sad day. The NBA went into mourning on Sunday because the news broke shortly before many of the day games for the Sunday slate. And you saw a wide array of emotions on display. You saw Greg Popovich consoling DeMar DeRozan before games during warm-ups. You saw Tyson Chandler on the bench overcome with emotion crying. You saw Trey Young go out there and wear number eight in honor of Kobe Bryant, who wore, of course, number eight and number 24 and then went out there and shot the ball 24 times for the Atlanta Hawks. It went the entire spectrum of tears, of stunned disbelief. Even after the games, many of these players seemed to struggle to get through the games. We as fans struggled to get to that point as well because Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, a five-time NBA champion, a two-time NBA Finals MVP, the NBA League MVP, an 18-time All-Star, a four-time All-Star Game MVP, first-team NBA, All-NBA 11 times, all-defensive first-team nine times. Oh, he was also a slam dunk contest champion, too, back in his younger days when he was a rookie in the 1997 season. One of the greatest to ever do it is gone. Joining me on this edition of the Rap Game Podcast is my producer extraordinaire for RP3 and Company and the man behind the Prejean Pelicans report, Louis Prejean. Louis, you and I are obviously not the same age. No. There's roughly a 20-year difference here. We'll just say it. Roughly, yeah. Roughly. I remember Kobe coming out. Kobe was drafted the year I graduated high school. 1996. So, I've seen him my entire adulthood has been with Kobe Bryant playing basketball or being part of the basketball world. My perspective is going to be a little bit different than yours, but I want to hear yours. Let's start off with how did you feel when you saw the news? You and I talked about this off air. I thought it was a hoax as well because I saw the TMZ report. And I was like, oh, someone got hacked. This is a hoax. This is this is BS. Unfortunately, it wasn't. What was your first reaction when you saw the news starting to break? on social media on Sunday? Disbelief. Thought it was fake as well because it was the day after LeBron passed him in all-time scoring. And you thought maybe this is just a fake story coming off the hills of such a historic moment for LeBron passing Kobe and Kobe's name is already out there in the news. Maybe someone just faked it the day after. And it wasn't because multiple reports started to come out. It wasn't just TMZ. It started to get confirmed from other outlets. 
and you just kept checking social media, just hoping it was fake, and then it became real, and I was just stunned. I was silent. I spent a lot of time scrolling through social media to get more reports and more news, and I just kept scrolling, and I just couldn't believe it. It really is unbelievable that this happened. And then after I collected you know, all the reports and everything, you start to sit down and you start to process this news because your thoughts are all over the place. You start to think about Kobe Bryant as the basketball player. You start to think about the players that were playing with him, the rest of the NBA. You think about him as a, a husband, as a father. All these things, and it's really hard to process. And I sat down and I wrote out some thoughts, but my initial reaction to hearing about Kobe Bryant was just stunned. I, I was silent. I started to receive texts and phone calls from people in my life that watched Kobe and kind of just was a fan of Kobe in general. So really, as a lot of other people, when the news broke, I was just completely shocked. It was stunning. And once the realization hit that it was, in fact, the truth, that it wasn't fake news, so to speak, that we weren't being duped, it wasn't some bad prank, it was absolutely stunning. The first thing I did, Lewis, I I talked to my wife and I told her I broke the news. We were actually in the grocery store shopping. We typically do that on Sundays. We go to church. We spend some family time. We maybe have a nice lunch after church, and then we go do grocery shopping for the for a couple of weeks, pick up everything that we need, and then we'll come home. And we were walking in to the grocery store, uh, Super One, right there in Karen Crow, where we typically go, and the news broke, and, it, and boom, I saw it on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn. And I told my wife, I said, she goes, what? I go, Kobe Bryant died. She said, what? I said, he died. Helicopter crash. Just like that. And then, you know, we were there with our daughter, and my daughter is now five years old. She'll be six in September. She loves basketball. Now, she doesn't have any idea who Kobe Bryant is, but she knows basketball. And the, the first thing I thought, I thought about was my daughter, because Kobe and I are the same age, both 41 years old. He's, he's now gone. The rest of his children are not going to have their father. His wife is not going to have her husband. You know, we are saddened initially because we've lost an icon of the game. We've lost one of the legends, a great player, a, a trans—you know—a a transcendent play, uh, talent. Then I, I felt sad about his family. Mm-hmm. They're never going to have their dad, right? That, that's never going to happen. And and that that's where it kind of hits home for me. It was like, oh wow, you know what the you know that's just kind of crazy to think that and but then once you get over the shock and his legendary status then I start thinking about all the good times because I'm a big person that you I am not one to be critical of people grieving people grieve every different way Mm -hmm. for me you want to grieve but also I'm a firm believer you celebrate that person's life and what did Kobe accomplish on the court? And we talked about it on RP3 and Company on Monday's show was he had to work at this. Like, this was not 
this was not an easy thing for him to become a superstar. You know, you go back, go all the way back to 1996. Now, his dad played in the league. We know that. His dad played in the league, but he wasn't a great player. But you look at, he was one of those early guys that went right from high school out of Philly to the NBA. And you look back and you go, well, he was drafted 13th overall his year, 1996 draft class. There's a reason why. I'm going to give you the guys who were drafted that year. Okay. AI, the answer was number one overall. No question. No question and about the, that. And, the, and, and that, that's not a knock on Kobe, but if you saw Allen Iverson play at Georgetown, you're like, this this guy here, the crossover alone was just ridiculous. Iverson goes number one overall to the, the 76ers. Marcus Camby who was a terrific player in college, goes to the Raptors. Starberry, I I always had a soft spot for Stephon Marbury. I did, I did. Uh, Georgia Tech, he was a freshman. People forget this, Allen Iverson was actually a sophomore. He played two years in college. Marbury played one year. Ray Allen was the number fifth overall pick, one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time from UConn. Antoine Walker. Kentucky national champion, taken by Boston. I mean, I'm just Kerry Kittles, New Orleans native, by the way, played for the for the Nets. He played at Villanova, and then you get down there, and it's Kobe Bryant at 13. Peja Savakovic gets taken by the Kings. He goes on to win a later an NBA title. He was taken at 14. Steve Nash was in that draft class, 15th, and Jermaine O'Neal, 17. The players that were drafted before Kobe all went to college. There might have been some hesitation with Kobe because he was coming out of high school. He was 17? Yeah. There, at the draft? There's some hesitation He was 17 there. years 17 old. 17 years old. And you look at that and you go, oh, wow. A lot of Hall of Famers. A lot of great players there. And Kobe, and we've talked about this, you know, five-time NBA champion, two-time NBA, uh, uh, NBA Finals MVP, regular season MVP, 18-time All-Star. He was the slam dunk champion. Can't forget that. I'm not because it always bugs me that LeBron never took part in the slam dunk. It was good enough for Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, and Kobe Bryant, but it's not good enough for you. I'm, I'm not bashing on LeBron. It's just, damn, just give the fans what they want. Like I, it's just, it, it's it, it's all about the fans for the All Star game. And I always felt like LeBron was too worried about if he messed up. Like just embrace it. Go to the slam dunk. How how awesome would it been if LeBron in his prime would have taken part in the slam dunk competition? How great would that be? You know a box office that would have yeah, been? Yeah, it would have been great. That's a quick sidebar. That's a quick sidebar. Not to not not to get crazy. But it took him a while, Kobe, to get adjusted to playing in the association. This was not an easy thing for him. He had to play in the Summer Pro League. As a rookie, he mostly came off the bench behind Eddie Jones and Nick Van Exel. Give it up to Nick Van Exel back in the day. He became the youngest player ever at that time to play in an NBA game. He was 18 years, 17, two day, uh, 72 days old. A record that's been since by, broken by Jermaine O'Neal, who was drafted in the same draft class as him, and Andrew Bynum, his future teammate. He also became the youngest NBA starter ever. You got to think about that. You got to think about how young he was coming in. He was 18 years old as a starter in the NBA. Before that was a thing. Like, now we take that for granted. Oh, you play at Kentucky, you go a semester at school, and then, you know, or two semesters at school, and then you're in the NBA. Hmm. 
we take that for granted. 20, you know, 1996, 1997, that's not the norm. That is different. That is bold. But what? He was mainly a backup for his first couple years. His point average more than doubled from his rookie season, 7.6 all the way up to 15.4 his second season. Lewis? They slowly brought him around. He was actually the runner-up for the six-man year award. We're talking about a guy on the Mount Rushmore of Los Angeles Lakers players of all time. Early in his career, he was a six-man. No one thought Kobe was going to turn into what he became. No one thought that the kid from Philly was going to become the Black Mamba. Now, Jerry West did, but Jerry West is one of the most brilliant minds ever in NBA evaluation. Yeah. And talent scouting. I saw it early on. You get to you, you saw Kobe. We, my generation, got to see Kobe grow up. And one of the things that you always loved about him was this. He was always kind of marked as the next Jordan, which is which has been a title bestowed on many a person, many an individual in the NBA. He embraced that. Like, it wasn't one of those things where Kobe was like, oh, man, I just want to be my own person. He's like, no, I want to be as good as Michael Jordan. I want to be better than Michael Jordan. He, he embraced those expectations. He, he embraced it. And that says about his mentality. You can say the Mamba mentality, but that says something about his mentality that he wanted to embrace those expectations bestowed onto him. And he would go on, he would, by the way, the first guard in NBA history to play 20 seasons. Think about that for a minute. And with the like, same what? team. And with the same And team. all with the same team. He finally emerges, that once again, a runner-up for the six-man-a-year award. That's how he began his career. Coming off the bench, learning how to play at that level, but embracing the fact that people thought he could be the next Michael Jordan. While Michael Jordan was still in his prime. The second three-peat ends in 96. So, and then he gets paired up with Shaq. And then his game goes to being an all-star, six-man a year, to some of the most dominant basketball teams I've ever seen. Him and Shaq together with Rick Fox. They ran the triangle under Phil Jackson. Phil really pushed Kobe. And I've said this before, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I always felt Phil pushed Kobe more than he ever pushed Shaq. Shaq was already an established star when Phil got him due to his time in Orlando. Already played in the NBA Finals. Still had work on his game. Kobe, Shaq was never the worker Kobe was. And I think Phil recognized that. And still, instead of fighting it, the Zen master did what? He said, okay. Shaq is a physical dominant specimen. No one on planet Earth is like him. But this guy, this guy reminds me of Mike. Mm. I'm going to push this guy. I'm going to push him because he has a work ethic that no one else I've ever seen has except for Michael Jeffrey Jordan. And that's what Phil did. And that's why those Lakers teams were so damn good. You think about it, that's what Phil Jackson did because he recognizes that Kobe wanted he wanted that. He wanted to be pushed because Kobe's always pushed himself. 
So Phil Jackson recognizes that Kobe was going to work for this. And he and Phil Jackson pushed him. Like you said, Shaq was already established. But Kobe was somebody Phil could look at and it reminded him of Michael Jordan. Because you think about Kobe's game, it's patterned after Michael Jordan. Some of the things that Kobe does was patterned after Michael Jordan. Some sometimes the way he shot the ball reminded you of Michael. Mm-hmm. And also his dedication to learning how to play defense and being committed to playing defense. Jordan did the same thing. Jordan was not a great defensive player early on in his career. He learned how to be a defensive player, in particular under Phil Jackson, and became an all-NBA, all-defensive player. Kobe was the same way. And Kobe's defense might be underrated at this point. I think it's wildly underrated. His defense was so good. He's always talked about for his scoring and his shot-making, but his defense is underrated at this point. They win three in a row, and I'm telling you this, and you were too young to remember this. They do the three in a row, back to back to back, 2000, 2001, 2002. Three-time champion. Tensions are starting to rise between him and Shaq, but they still find a way to work together. Shaq's winning the MVP, Bryant's being named All-NBA second team and All-NBA defensive team. Then came the 2002 season. You know, they they win the three in a row. They do that. He starts getting a, a reputation even towards the tail end of that of being one of the most clutch players in the game. At 23, he was the youngest player ever to win three championships. And he started getting a reputation in the fourth quarter of games of being the clutch guy, the guy that could close it out as a clutch player. Because he wanted to take those shots, too. He always wanted to take always those shots. Want, he wanted that ball in his hands. Now, sometimes he was criti- people were critical of him for that, but I'd much rather have a guy, Lewis, on my team, regardless of what the sport is, but particularly basketball, I'd much rather have a guy that wants to be the guy who drains the shot. You want the killer instinct. You want that guy that wants to step up and be the alpha in the room and say, I'm the top dog. Give me the ball, damn it. I want that guy on my team. I just do. And he wanted that. And no one thought in a million years, and you're too young to remember this, they had Carl Malone and Kerry Baden. Love the glove, love the mailman. But they were ring chasing. I was about to say, they were past their prime. They were well past their prime at that point. But they were ring chasing. They get added to the Lakers roster. The Lakers are coming off winning three in a row. No one in no, – people will tell you now, well, we knew uh, you know, the Pistons had a really good – no, no one did. No one did. That, that's all lies. If someone tells you today – I'm telling you right now, in 2020, if someone tells you today that the Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, those Pistons teams coached by Larry Brown would have beat the Lakers before that NBA Finals would have been played, they're lying. They're, they're just straight-up liars. No one thought they were going to beat the Lakers. No one. But that Lakers team had some dysfunction, and that Lakers team was a little old, and they were counting on the mailman and Gary past their prime. And plus, they never really fit into the triangle offense either, which was a little made it, things a little clumsy that year. But then you thought, even with the loss, they'll be back. But then this is where kind of the bad press run begins for Kobe. He gets a reputation of being... Not getting along with Shaq. He gets a reputation, fair or not, of that he forced Shaq out. Now, there's been always conflicting actual reporting done on this over the years. 
and both Shaq and Kobe have kind of went back and forth on this too, right? That they sided with him, Phil retires, Rudy T's in the house. It's a total train wreck. He also, during this time, has the incident in Colorado where sexual assault claims are brought against him. Now, those charges get dropped because the plaintiff decides not to testify at the trial or will not testify at the trial. But Kobe's image takes a huge hit. He's been charged with sexual assault. At worst, he was known as someone who cheated on his wife, which is not the first time an athlete, famous person, or just a regular Joe down on the street at the bodega has been, been you know talked about for that reason. But his image took a hit. Lost endorsement deal after endorsement deal. Jordan stood, stood by him. How he rehabs his image is brilliant. Just, it was brilliant how he rehabbed his image. Changed his number, shaved the head, no longer has the little mini afro. He shaved his head, changes his number, and changed how he approached the game. And that's where, for me, the genesis of Black Mamba comes from. It's during that time of dysfunction with the with Shaq, dysfunction in his personal life, with his wife, who he cheated on, the rape charge, the sexual assault charges that were eventually dropped, the breakup of him and Shaq, Phil Jackson leaving. During that time where the team struggled and he struggled, now he put up monster numbers. That's where the Black Mamba comes from. I'd like to get the younger perspective because obviously you were younger, you only know Black Mamba from the young. But that's where I think the turn is, where he went from a really great player, an all-star, all-NBA player, to the Black Mamba. It changed. Yeah, I I would watch Kobe here and there before I really got into the NBA. Now, when I really got into the NBA was the Magic and Lakers finals, and that was me being a Orlando Magic fan, not a Los Angeles Laker fan. So I was more into the Orlando Magic during that time, but they lost 4-1 in that series, and that's that. But my real introduction to Kobe was beyond that finals, and I really got into the NBA at that time. So everything before, I kind of missed, and I kind of regret that, that I got into the NBA at that time instead of before then because you get into all the Lakers and Celtics series before then. I know they had one in 2010, but kind of wish I would have saw more of Kobe because I almost caught Kobe's tail end more than prime Kobe. But that transition to the Black Mama that you're talking about just the way he raised out of all that really says something about him because a lot of players go through adversity and but, crumble, but they crumble because they're in that spotlight. Kobe he, was able to manage the spotlight and manage his personal life and still was successful on the court. He was highly scrutinized. People forget this 2004, 2005 season. This is after the Shaq breakup. This is after the Lakers dysfunction. Phil Jackson blast him in his book. His book, The Last Season, A Team in Search of Its Soul. How he called Bryant uncoachable. He said he was uncoachable. One of the greatest coaches of all time says you're uncoachable. People believe you broke up the Lakers because of your own ego. You have sexual assault charges brought to you, eventually dropped in Colorado. He feuded with Carl Malone. He feuded with Ray Allen that year. They don't make the playoffs. Yet he weathers that storm. 
And it's the same mentality, that Mamba mentality, stems from that. It was always there, but I think there it's hardened. It's crystallized. And he put his ego aside because Phil Jackson came back to the fold, right? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, they turned things around, and they reset with a new brand with Kobe as the centerpiece. They get Gasol, and then there's Lamar Odom, and Meadow World Peace comes on board. Andrew, and, Andrew Bynum. And Andrew Bynum. Yeah. And they build this together. And from that stretch, Phil and Kobe were like this. They, they, they were so close. They were. And, I, and they put their aside their differences. And all of a sudden, Kobe goes from being a pariah and one of the, the people in the league that people despise or are highly critical of to, to then, once again, be one of the greatest players of all time. That's also the season, the 2005-06 season, is the 81-point game. That's the 81-point game against the Raptors. One of the more memorable moments of Kobe Bryant's career. Absolutely. You can't tell the story of the NBA in the past 25 years without that 81-point game. You watched it, and you go, He's gonna he's he's gonna break Wilt Chamberlain's record. Like you actually thought that because it got to a point where he just couldn't be stopped, Lewis. And you're like, this guy is a, an absolute freak of nature. All that happened. The other championships, the two other championships, the 81 point game, everything, league MVP. That all happens post scandal, post breakup with Shaq, post being blasted by Phil Jackson. The second half of his career. I argue is better than the first because of what he had to overcome and the adversity that he had to weather. That makes the second half of his career sensational to me. One of the best of all time. And I think the second half of his career is better than the first half. Even though he doesn't have the three-peat in there, he became the Mamba in the second half of his career. Yeah. And people have mentioned this. People like didn't like Kobe when he was playing in the NBA because he... Scored a lot of points on against your favorite team. He hit the big shot against your favorite team. He will eliminate your favorite team from the, the playoffs. The Shaq, the Shaq aspect cannot be undersold. There. And then people love Shaq. People love Shaq. Shaq He's is beloved. a, a likable figure. And then it comes out that Kobe is the one that ran him out of town. You know, so that whole Shaq and Kobe feud starts to make Kobe unlikable. And then it wasn't until. Almost after his retirement, you can even argue the farewell tour in his last season that people just start to respect his game and respect him as player. People turn around. People turn around when these things happen. The same thing, by the way, is going to happen to LeBron. When LeBron makes the announcement that's going to be his, his final year, all the naysayers, all the critics, and they've been loud, especially on television, especially the the, the, the idiot box talkers, Okay, they've made, a, they've made a career being critical of LeBron James and have made a lot of money doing so. They, they will all come around you. They, they will write. Uh, you know, they will write long form stories about how great he was, even though they spent the better part of their career and made a lot of money bashing him. Kobe probably played a little too long, if we're being honest. Maybe a little bit too long, and we'll get to that point, Lewis. He he might have played hold on maybe a, a season too long, but I do like the twenty years. The twenty years is a nice is a nice number, but. Then everything changes. He, he has the 81-point game. He makes the announcement that he's switching his number from 8 to 24. That begins the 2006-7 season, and then comes that run with him 24. It's no longer 8. It's 24 now. 
And unlike Jordan, who people mocked for wearing 45 when he came back after he left baseball, when he left to go play baseball and came back and they famously would call him, Jim Rome used to call him 45. People didn't do the same thing with Kobe. Like They, they saw it, it was different. And then they started winning. Can I can I say forty five is an aesthetically bad number? It's a bad number for a basketball player to it's wear. A bad number, especially when you're a guard. I just wanted to say that. Yes, not not a great, <laughs> no, no, not 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 a great number by any stretch of the imagination. And but then came, then came two thousand nine and two thousand ten. LeBron may have been the best player on the planet by that time. It already ascended to that role. But Kobe was number two. And you could still have the debate that Kobe was the best player on the planet. And and that was 14 years into his career at that point? By that time? Yeah. Once again, he started when he was 17. Yeah. Started his NBA career when he was 17. And what I remember was... Just how much better of a teammate he was, just how much better those guys, and, and part of that's personality, and they were able to construct a roster that worked well with Kobe's personality. Paul Gasol, it's not that he's passive, but he noticed that Kobe's the alpha, so Gasol, the the Euro, the big man with the Euro step, says, hey, you're the guy. Lamar Odom, Metta World Peace. Kobe's the leader of that team. They win two championships, probably should have won a third. And just I, that that solidified him as that guy. Yeah, he reached the five mark. He reached the five championships mark. Because a lot of people remember your career, if you're a great player, on how many titles you won. They do it with Tom Brady. They do it with Michael Jordan. And he can never Kobe get Bryant, back there. He, he never got back, but to win five, that, that put him in the air. He won five and lost two, right? Lost one with Shaq and Carmelo and Gary Payton, and then they lost the other one against the Celtics. Mm -hmm. Wins five rings, loses two. Plays in seven NBA finals. Seven. Seven. How crazy is that? And then later in his career, he kept getting all-star games, all-star MVPs. He kept – he tied Bob Pettit, former LSU star one of the greatest to ever play, Hall of Famer, for most all-star MVP awards. He also passed the likes of Dominique Wilkins and Oscar Robertson and Akeem and Elvin Hayes and Moses Malone on the all-time scoring list. Things kind of petered out towards the end. He started racking up injuries, right? Yeah, the Achilles injury. The talent on the roster wasn't great. And where he was at in his point of his career is also – Kind of, I'm not saying this to make an excuse. His 20th year in the league, that's not the time for him to be the mentor and try to carry a bunch of young guys like Brandon Ingram and Kuzma. And that's that's not that time. Maybe if it was five years earlier, probably, but not then, not then. And I know people were critical of Kobe then. Oh, you know, he's just shooting too much. He's scoring. He should. The guy's been in the game 20 years. Like, what, what do you want from him? At that point, it's not his fault that the Lakers didn't build correctly they, at they, the tail end of his time with them. They try to build a team with uh, Steve Nash, oh, over the Dwight Steve Howard, Nash. an injured Dwight Howard, injured and 
not Alpha Dwight Howard. No. That relationship never worked. No. That, 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 that was the polar opposite of the Shaq relationship. Shaq is an alpha dog. Shaq walks in the room and he wants to let you know, hey, bruh, I'm the top. And he played like it, too. And he played like it. Kobe played like that. So that's why those two guys always butted heads back in the day when they were younger in the early 2000s because they were both alphas. Dwight Howard's not an alpha. He's just not. He's a big guy, physical specimen, but Kobe challenged him, just like he challenged Paul Gasol, just like he challenged all those other guys. Dwight Howard did not respond to being challenged. No, he didn't. He just, no. Dwight Howard is a classic small market guy that should have never left the small market. Should have just stayed in Orlando. But yeah, that retooling of the Lakers with Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, they get the cover on the magazine. Oof. That never worked out. And then later in Kobe's career, just never the, the team was never good enough to get back to the NBA Finals. And then, of course, he gets the injuries that he does. And then he comes back and has the whole Pharaoh Tour season. And then that final game is, I love that final game from Kobe against the Utah Jazz. I know he took fifty something shots. <laughs> we we've argued about it on on our yes we on, have on RP three right. and company. You're we right. we've argued about it. You're right. That's okay though. No, that's okay because you thought it was a manufactured moment, and that's fine. The the, the problem for me essentially is this: it was ma- it was a manufactured moment from someone who was better than having manufactured moments. No, and right, Kobe's. Well, once again, once again, Kobe's drafted the year I graduated high school. I see Kobe. I grew up with Magic, Larry, and Michael and the Bad Boy Pistons. But then Kobe is adulthood basketball for me, right? That's 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 the guy that I'm linked to because of my age. To see him have to put up jack up so many shots just to, to have a big game, I know. <laughs> what, what was a little disheartening? On one hand, I liked it, Lewis. I'm being honest with you. One hand, I was like, oh, that's good. Kobe's getting his in his final game. But then the other hand was like, oh, damn, it's Kobe. He's He's having to manufacture it. I know. I was a little torn I on it. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all 50-something shots. Remember, they put that game on ESPN2 instead of ESPN because the Warriors were going for 73 wins. I don't know if that's aged well. You can argue about that. But that final game was awesome for me. I remember just being glued to the TV. I watched that instead of the Warriors' 73-game win. I, I, didn't want, I didn't watch that. I didn't. Kobe was box office. Yeah, I, I decided to watch Kobe instead in his final game because I knew we would never see Kobe play basketball again at that point after that. So I, I loved watching his final game. I still go back and watch the highlights of that game. It was just awesome. I know they didn't have much to play for, but it was just it was just another great moment in his career. That leads us to this, and we'll, we'll start to kind of wrap things up here on the Rap Game Podcast. Louis Prejean is joining us. What is his legacy? And, and and I hate to – part of me just wants to throat punch myself for having a conversation about legacy, but I think we can. He's retired, and now he's passed. For me, Mount Rushmore Laker players, we'll begin there. It's Magic. It's Kareem. And then it's Kobe. And then the fourth one – you have to figure out who the fourth face on Mount Rushmore for the Lakers is going to be. Is it going to be Shaq? Is it going to be Jerry West, who, by the way, is the logo? Right. I'd actually lean towards Jerry West if you wanted me to. As much as Shaq, as much as I love the big fella, Aristotle. Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, Shaq. I think you can have a debate on who that fourth face is for the Mount Rushmore. But it's definitely Magic, 
Kareem, Kobe. I will say this. He's not the greatest Laker. And I, I don't mean that in a disrespectful fashion. Magic's the greatest Laker of all time. Magic played all five positions in the NBA Finals as a rookie or as a second-year player. Magic, if I'm creating an all-time starting five, Lewis, Magic Johnson's my point guard. So it's not disrespectful to Kobe. It's just that's, that, that, that's for me. But once again, I grew up with Magic. And Kareem. But I think he's in the conversation. And he's definitely top three greatest Lakers of all time. And when people go, well, you're, you're breaking it down just by greatest Lakers of all time. It's the greatest franchise in NBA history. Well, well the bigger point behind that is just for Kobe to be mentioned among the all-time great Lakers with the Lakers' history and their rich history, all the players that have played for them, for him to be mentioned in that conversation and to be among the tops in that conversation is incredible. It, it right. says everything about Kobe and what he's done for the game, what he's done for the city of Los Angeles. So And Philly. And Philly, his hometown. So for... Him to be among the top Lakers of all time, him to be in that conversation, is a testament. All time as well. He's not in my starting five, but he's coming right off the bench with the first wave. I mean, you're talking about like a starting five. We always play that game where you could do like the numbers. And you, it's Magic. It's Jordan. Those are my guards. It's LeBron at the three, Tim Duncan at the four, and Kareem at the five. Yeah, but I'm not. That, in, that's, I, I'm not interested in that conversation right now. I mean, just remembering Kobe Bryant. And, but no, but no, it's 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 a fair conversation to have because then Kobe's right there. Like I, I think the first wave. I'm talking all time in NBA history here. He's the first wave, and I think what does Kobe a disservice is this: he's the guy right after Jordan. Like that's. That's the thing that we undervalue what Kobe is because he came in the era while Jordan was still in the league. You understand what I'm saying? Like he, He's the guy that got put on the title the next Michael Jordan, and he embraced it, and damn, like he came real close right, yeah. to being the next Jordan. He came real close, and... History is going to be on his side. That will be the other thing that I will say before we wrap this up. History will look at him differently. I think there were times during his tenure in the league that he wasn't valued as much as he should have been. People rushed to get on the the LeBron train while Kobe was still in the league. Now, part of that was because Kobe's image took a hit, right? But he's the bridge. And sometimes the bridge guy gets lists lost in between. It won't happen. History is going to look fondly on Kobe as being one of the all-time greats. Yeah. It, it, it's going to happen that way. And I'll say this as my closing thoughts. The reason history is just going to be favorable to him is what he's done in his post-retirement. The way he cared for his family. What he did with his show on ESPN Plus and his show. The, uh, the, the movie that he did on basketball that yeah, won the exactly. Oscar? Exactly. That's what, that's what I, that's what I uh, meant to mention was his Oscar-winning short film. So that's why he's going to be remembered favorably because of what he's done in his post-retirement. 
like people didn't like him when he was a player. He's one of those classic guys. One, yeah. one of those, but once he retires, people respected his game because it was undeniable. Then his post-retirement hits, and you realize that work ethic that he put into as a player, he put exactly. into as a person. Exactly. And then that's when you respected Kobe Bryant. And, and it won't be denied. And now that he's died, he's now going to become even more beloved. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, but you're right. The, the The conversation and the narrative on him started to shift almost immediately after he left basketball, Lewis. I've never seen that before. Almost immediately after he left and retired, the conversation, the narrative on Kobe Bryant started to shift to being far more favorable, and people looked at him in a more beloved fashion than they had when he played almost instantly when he retired. It's because he opened up as a person. He kind of seemed closed off as a player. The Players' Tribune, that's his, well, his, that, that's his as well, right? That was one of the other things that he, he helped create. If I'm if I'm mistaken, the Players Tribune that allows athletes, professional athletes, to have their own voice, they can write their own stories, and everything like that. Mm. But he was a legend, and you saw by the way people reacted to him after the after his passing, and how they absolutely just adored him. And that work ethic, they kept bringing it up yesterday, Sunday, and Monday. They kept bringing it up. You talk to player after player, it's that work ethic, the Mamba mentality. And you're exactly correct, Lewis. That was something that is never going to go away. No, it won't. That's what he'll be remembered by, for me, is his work ethic and the amount of work he put in during his career and as a person post-retirement. And allowed him to have a second half unlike any other. Yeah. That's the other thing. Allowed him to have a great second half to his career that most people would never have. And that work ethic, he embraced it. And you said it on the show. The Mamba mentality. A legend has passed. There won't be another one like Kobe Bryant. Appreciate Lewis Prejean jumping on the Rap Game Podcast. You can check us out anytime on the social media platforms. We share it. And until next time, you guys be safe out there, be kind to one another, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Rap Game Podcast.